We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, all you San Franciscans watching out there. Yeah, all four of you. Do you have $90,000 lying around your house? If you do, congratulations, you can now park your car. A parking spot at a condo complex in the South Beach neighborhood of the city is currently listed at $90,000. If you don't believe me, here is the actual condo listing. Quote, this is a parking space only. It is currently leased for $300 per month. It is not a condo, but a single parking space near the lobby. Can be used by non-resident and is located one block from Oracle Stadium. Wow, that sounds fantastic. In case, in case you think this is just a ridiculous stunt, nobody would be falling for it, a similar parking space in a nearby building was sold for the same amount a few years ago before Biden inflation. So imagine, this is like a deal. I'm going to assume it was Nicolas Cage who bought it. I mean, he owns an $11 million home in the city. He has a T-Rex skull. Of course, he owns that parking spot as well. Congratulations, San Francisco. You continue to bring great shame to our wonderful country. And what would you expect with, of course, Governor Patrick Bateman running things? It's always been a problem. This did lead me down a little bit of a rabbit hole, though. What could you do with $90,000? What would be better to spend it on? Let me enlighten you with a few options here. A lovely four-bedroom, two-bathroom home in Oklahoma with over 2,100 square feet, dishwasher included, 90K. Very nice. How about a sports car? You can get a 2022 Audi A8. Very nice car with 335 horsepower, seats five. Just don't order it from my car dealer because you will never, ever, ever get it. What about you nerds out there? Conservators, unite. Get your very own gigantic Star Wars memorabilia collection, courtesy of East Bristol Auctions. It is an auction. You may need to uh, engage in some minor lightsaber combat to secure your bid, but hey, it should work out in the end. And uh, sports fans, you can grab a one-of-a-kind, yes, George Snuffy Stinweiss autographed baseball. Not just any George Stinweiss, by the way. I'm talking about Snuffy. That George Snuffy Stinweiss. That one, as if there were any other that could compete. And for all you sex pests out there, you can have 90 jars full of reality star Stephanie Matos farts. Uh, just a thousand bucks a pop and get 90 of them. You know, you might want to build a particularly secure and airtight room for, to, for storage. But well, and I guess you can't really get them right now because she got admitted to the hospital due to all the toll of the excessive gas was taking on her body. But hey, you snooze, you lose, you know? Uh, let's break it down a little more. Instead of $90,000 parking spot in San Francisco, you could buy 53,254 Taco Bell Crunchy Taco Supremes. Probably be my choice out of all of these. You could get 16,393 Burger King Impossible Meat Whoppers, or probably regular Whoppers. 4,074 12 packs of Pop Rocks Candy. 3,914 3, 24 packs of Dr. Pepper. I would advise against combining that, of course, with the Pop Rocks. That, that can be bad. Uh, it can be explosive in the Stephanie Mato sort of way. Over, uh, you can have 7,500 pints of Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream, which is delicious, and also the professed favorite of our alleged inside trading, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She can afford 12 bucks a pint, you know, since she's using your money. God, 
you know, Nancy Pelosi sucks. Have I ever told you that before? That reminds me, take your $90,000 and go ahead and buy 4,639 Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Available at nancypelosisuckspen.com. Although I can't guarantee they'll have all of those in stock. But what I can guarantee is Nancy Pelosi sucks. Stu does America. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. Save 10 bucks off Blaze TV. If you're watching YouTube, hey, click like right now. We really do appreciate it. Drop an algorithmic engagement comment below. It helps please the algorithm robots. Michael Schellenberger is here to talk about the California energy crisis today. Ben Shapiro gets a long overdue apology, but we start by doing T minus 60 days. Did you know? Election day, Tuesday, November 8th. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. Right around the corner, boys and girls, we are in the closing stretch. This is sort of a big deal, if you haven't noticed yet. And there's lots of new polls coming out telling us a little bit about the election. And I want to go into this, but honestly, this is sort of... I want to, I want to talk about the election a little bit, but I want to tie it to another big story going on right now. Let's start with the election, though. Abortion and inflation collide as top issues in the midterm elections. This is a new poll out. And it asks this question from this list. Which one of the following is top of mind for you when you think about voting in this November's election? Uh, number one is inflation. Number two, abortion. Number three, health care. And number four, the January 6th committee hearings. Of course, when you break this down by party, it's, it looks totally different. Where Republicans are overwhelmingly number one is inflation. Independents, overwhelmingly number one is inflation. And abortion is number one for Democrats. What's kind of interesting, I was looking at this poll and breaking it down a little bit. When you look at the top three Democratic concerns, it makes up 73% of their answers. Only 21% of Republicans see those three issues as a, big, as a big focus of their election, and only 40% of independents do. Okay, So 73% for Democrats, but 40% for independents, 21% for Republicans. When you take the Republicans' top three concerns, which make up 72% of all Republicans, well, independents still see those issues as, as most important, 67% of them said that, and 49% of Democrats. So really, you're seeing the Republican Party and their main issues more in step with the average American, where there's sort of this niche concern on the Democratic side for two main things on the poll, abortion being a, a big one, and the other big one, which no one else cares about at all, is the January 6th committee. 22% of Democrats said this was the top issue, uh, only 6% of independents, and only 2% of Republicans. So that's way, way, way down the list, and yet they're focusing on it all the time. Um, uh, percentage of those who say they are more likely to vote due, due to the Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs, 77% of Democrats say yes, 58% of independents, and 42% of Republicans. And that's to be expected because the Democrats lost that one, right? You're, people are animated by losses. If you something takes something away from you, uh, typically that's the way this goes. Republicans were animated by the loss on Obamacare, right? And they delivered the biggest wave election in 100 years because they were very, very upset because they had lost on a major issue like that. So you will see some activity, I believe, from uh, the, uh, the Democrats. Uh, and we've seen some of that so far. If you didn't watch yesterday, was it yesterday's show? Yesterday's show, I think it was. We went through all the polling in the Senate and went after this idea of this big Democratic momentum that is being reported on. I encourage you to go back and watch that one because we broke that down. And, I, you know, it's, I don't think there's a lot of evidence for it, frankly. There's not zero evidence, 
but there's not a lot of evidence either. And of course, we'll be covering this as we get closer and closer to the election. So what do you do to try to get people to forget things like inflation and the border and Ukraine and Afghanistan and uh, the economy and all the other things that are going wrong in the Biden administration? I know, get them all high. Uh, Liberals are pushing Biden on marijuana reform ahead of the midterm uh, push. And again, they're calling it momentum, which is a little bit invisible. Uh, CBS is uh, Market Watch is warning people, hey, you know, if the Democrats do win, that could be really bad for the economy. Democrats keeping House and Senate in midterm elections would hurt markets. This is according to an analyst and CBS Market Watch. They say we suspect that markets would react negatively to a Democratic sweep as it would represent both a new source of uncertainty and a renewed threat of tax increases. Yes, it would. We also have, of course, the Donald Trump controversy. We've talked a lot about how the left really just wants to make this election about Donald Trump, not about what they've done, not about the, the, their job performance. Did I mention, by the way, election day? Yeah, Tuesday, November 8th. You should remember that day. Make sure you show up because uh, this is all really important. Uh, the Donald Trump stuff is going on. They want to make this election about Trump because they can't make it about themselves. They, they have to run away from their own record, which is understandable. If you had that record, you'd do it too. I mean, look, if, if Republicans had control of everything right now and things were going this way, all the, they would be doing the same thing. They'd find some way to be talking about something else. This is not exclusive to the Democrats, but it's idiotic to fall for it. We all know they're going to try it, But why would anyone fall for it? The DOJ is now going to appeal the decision that happened earlier this week to appoint a special master in the Trump FBI raid document case. And this is this is an an interesting one because we have a situation here where the former president of the United States had his home raided over a bunch of documents. And if anything, we've seen in the reaction to this and the aftermath is that the American people were not prepared for this. And. It's been one of these situations where if it was handled better, maybe we wouldn't have had such a strong reaction to it. Maybe if we knew that this was going on and it was something that was already being discussed, maybe if they, I don't know, leaked some information about how this might be coming uh, out. And you might say, well, the FBI would never do that. Have you read the newspaper lately? Every other article is some FBI person in on the inside telling Maggie Haberman something that looks bad for Donald Trump. This is what they do all the time. So it might have been a, a good approach to warn the country that something like this might happen. You're creating instability in a situation that you The FBI that people like Merrick Garland have told us is an instable situation, a situation that where the evil right wing is always our biggest threat. But let's torture them by raiding the home of their favorite person. Now, obviously, this is a nonsensical argument from the left. I don't even think they actually believe it. But if they did believe it, certainly you wouldn't act this way. But when we get to the special master, you have a situation where Donald Trump says, I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust them to go through these documents and tell you what is what is appropriate and what is not. I want a special master appointed. I want someone appointed who's going to go through this independently, look through these documents and tell us the truth about these things. And you might say, well, you know, the left has made this argument. It's not necessary. Uh, You know, the FBI, of course, despite our past hundred years of history and everything we've ever said about the FBI, we now trust them completely. And we say they're going to have the absolute right call on all these documents. You might say that. uh, And uh, the left has attempted to go down this road. But that's not an argument of justice. What is the justice argument 
for not having a special master? What is the argument to say, hey, you know, we don't need an extra layer, another set of eyes that are independent looking at these things to make sure we get this right, to convince the American people this isn't a political hit job. What's the justice argument? Will you wait a few more weeks before you supposedly indict the former president of the United States? Why would that be a problem? And here, and within this area, lies the very, very important truth that we're going to talk about today. Did I mention Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th? Did I mention that yet? Because what maybe you haven't done, you know that's in the future. You know it's coming up soon. You might say, well, okay, it's a couple months away. What's the big deal? Well, that's exactly what the big deal is. Today is the 60-day window coming to a close what is the 60-day window? Well, we've, told, we've been told over and over and over again there's an unwritten rule within the Department of Justice that we don't shake up massive political firestorms within 60 days of the election. That 60-day window closes today. The reason why the left has been so fired up about the special master is not because they think it's going to affect the process or not because they, don't, they think it's the right thing to do. It's because they wanted to get an indictment before the 60-day window closed. And now, unless the FBI breaks yet another one of their standard procedures, they won't be getting it. At least that's the case currently as I tape this show. If it lasts into this weekend, they're within the window that they normally wouldn't take major action that would affect and shake up an election. Now, this is not a constitutional clause. This is a, an unwritten rule. So they could break it. They certainly have been breaking a lot of unwritten rules lately. But this is an important day when it comes to the Donald Trump saga, because once we get inside of the 60 days, they have to overturn years and years and years and years and years of precedent to be able to uh, to go after Donald Trump in this way. The left wants this badly. They want this election to be about one thing and one thing only Donald Trump. Again, to explain the math on this, you're talking about a party with a 38, 40 percent approval rating as the president of the United States, who's their main representative. They know that Donald, if this becomes a, a, a referendum on a guy who's not even in office, Donald Trump, you've got a 50-50 split. They're improving their chances here by 10 points if they can get people down to a 50-50 sort of situation. And to them right now, that's a dream come true. They want this to happen. They want Donald Trump firing back all the time. They want the press to cover every little bit of this back and forth. They want Joe Biden to come out and say things like MAGA Republicans are threats to this country. They want that fight because that fight brings them to 50-50, where right now they're at like 38-62. You don't want to fight an election in a 38-62 environment. They like the 50-50 environment. And they think an indictment would cause all sorts of chaos and bring us even closer to that environment that they are desiring. So are they going to get it? As the midterms near, election rule raises dilemma for Trump inquiries. Justice Department officials are debating how an unwritten rule should affect the criminal investigations into January 6th and the former president's handling of sensitive documents. You see, the left has not got, they didn't get the, the court rulings they wanted here. They wanted to move super quickly on this. They wanted to roll it through and get it out there before the election so that we can all sit here uh, and have a big fight about Donald Trump's legal future as we approach Election Day. 
But that is not uh, what they got. They got a bunch of rulings that went against them. They, again, the courts are the only thing that seem to be protecting us these days. And the courts said, look, you can't just roll over every standard here because you really want this to happen. There isn't a I really want this clause in the Constitution, and you can't just do this. You have to do it the right way. And this is terribly disappointing for the left, for the media, for the Democrat Party. They don't want to go about it the right way right now. They just want to roll over everything so they can try to minimize the damage of this election. And again, even if they do hold the Senate, they're still in massive trouble in the House. A lot of governors are in trouble. There's a lot going on here. And basically, they are in minimizing the damage mode right now. Did I mention, by the way, that Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th? It's only 60 days away from right now. And assuming we get to midnight before Donald Trump is indicted, <laughs> which I really shouldn't assume. But in theory, uh, if, the, if the activists over there uh, within the FBI and within the DOJ uh, decide not to go forward with this before midnight tonight, we will be inside of that window and we will need a yet another layer of overturned norms to get the left what they want. 60 days, T minus 60 days until the election uh, coming up. Uh, in about a week or so, we're going to start really kicking election gear, uh, our election coverage into full gear. We'll be giving you lots and lots of uh, stories about individual races, the picture of the Senate overall, and really get into it because this is a big one and it's, it's not that far away. Stopping the full control of the uh, Democrats uh, in the government is a massive priority, honestly. It's, 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 it's the first thing that needs to be done. The Senate really, really important as well. Specifically, if you could get one of the two, you'd want the Senate. But honestly, that's not going to happen. You're going to get the House before you get the Senate. Regardless, you've got to get something to stop the overall um, nonsense that the Biden administration is trying to push on us. And, and, and what's scary about this here is Biden has had what he believes is a bump in the polls. I think 38 to 41 in some of these polls. He's up a few points. And that is teaching him that these crazy actions these things that are uh, just executive actions that go off without any legal justification whatsoever, like the loan debacle, like what he may be doing with marijuana coming up soon, all these things that he's saying he can just do, he's getting positive feedback from his side. They're praising him. The media is praising him. They're all saying how wonderful this stuff is. And if he gets rewarded with a comeback victory, even if it's just as small as holding the Senate, he's going to take this as a way for him to work in his uh, next two years until we get to the presidential election. That could cause enormous damage to our country. And, and look, we're already unstable. We're already down a road where we're not the number one, you know, big, powerful superpower on the block anymore. We're now kind of like battling it out with China and all these. I mean, look, I still see us that way. It's the way we should be. But. And the reality is we are we are having major, major cracks in the facade right now. And if you start going down the road that makes those cracks bigger and bigger and bigger, you get closer and closer and closer to collapse. We've already had a couple brutal years with this president. Two more is going to push us super close to the edge. Four more after that. And God only knows what could happen. By the way, did I mention Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th?
Ah, I love Tommy John. Have I told you this before? Tommy John is fantastic. Their stuff is great. Their loungewear is awesome. That's all I want to wear when I'm at home. I just want to put on the Tommy John loungewear because it's so comfortable. Their underwear are fantastic. The best ones you're ever going to own. And, you know, with fall coming, you have the situation where some days it's cold and you want something kind of warm. And other days, I don't know, in Texas, it gets uh, uncomfortably warm if you happen to be wearing toasty underwear. Tommy John's is able to kind of regulate the situation a little bit. You know, if you if you see if you've ever had a problem with other underwear, I can guarantee you Tommy John's has solved it. Tommy John has breathable, lightweight fabric. It has four times the stretch of competing brands. They come with a no wedgie guarantee, thanks to a non-rolling waistband and legs that never ride up. They sold over 17 million pairs of these things. People love it. Um, and that's why Tommy John does not have customers. They have fanatics. Plus, everything is backed with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. No risk here. There's no risk. Give it a shot. Get one pair. See if you like it. TommyJohn.com slash stew. Check it out right now for 20% off your first order. 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash stew. TommyJohn.com slash stew. See site for details. And that site, of course, is TommyJohn.com slash stew. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's always great having Michael Schellenberger on the program. He's the founder and president of Environmental Progress and author of San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. Be sure to grab a copy today. All of his stuff is, is always great, and his Substack is great as well. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the program. Good to be with you, Steve. Appreciate it. Um, you're in California. Obviously, you know California better than pretty much anybody that I know, uh, especially when it comes to the energy situation. There's a crisis going on. There's all this news about how you're not supposed to charge your electric cars. And I want to get to that. Yeah. But can we back up a little bit? Like, Can we go back 30, 40, 50, 60 years? And how did California get itself in this position? Because from someone who's an outsider, you guys have all the resources in the world. How is this happening? Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer is that we're in the grip of a of a bad religion. I mean, you know, in the 1960s, the Sierra Club advocated nuclear power. It had this there was this great plan to build, uh, you know, a dozen or so nuclear reactors along the coast. They built uh, two plants, but the anti-nuclear movement shut them down. The Sierra Club divided over the issue in the late 60s. Ever since then, there's been an effort to basically stifle energy, food production, but also the creation of fresh water through desalination in a sort of explicit effort to keep people out of California and to reduce the population. There's some of this is just kind of selfishness. You know, it's such a beautiful state. People want it for themselves. But some of it's darker and has a kind of anti-human, anti-civilization nihilism to it. There's also a kind of narcissism, this idea that the world's going to end, you know, in our lifetimes, despite, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years of human civilization and progress. So we're in the grip of a religion. It's sort of what people do when they stop believing in traditional religions. They create a new religion. And I think it's no surprise that it really has it all, an apocalyptic view, a kind of utopianism of harmonizing with a kind of new victim God, which is nature. 
And even animal sacrifice, you know, they're killing golden eagles and desert tortoises in these big solar and wind farms that require 300 times more land than natural gas and nuclear plants. So it's all coming to a head. And, you know, I think that reality is finally intruding on the wishful thinking, the idealism, the utopianism, the ideology, some of which is quite dark that has really dominated the state for 50 years. Yeah, and it does seem like some of this is starting to, cha to, to change a little bit. I and mean, I wanna get to that here as well in a second, but where are we now? Because I mean, we're hearing that, you know, there, because there's a heat wave, they can't, uh, you can't, ha you have a state that can't uh, have people set their temperatures to the appropriate temperatures. They have to keep it at about 78 degrees. Uh, they can't charge their electric cars between 4 and 9 p.m. This is a week after making gasoline-powered cars basically go extinct in a few years. They make that announcement, and just a few days later are talking about that you can't charge your electric cars for a good chunk of the day. I mean, this the, the irony of the timing of these two things is incredible. Oh, yeah, and that's just the beginning of it. I mean, to give you another example, to charge, to have the electricity to charge all of uh, all of our cars and trucks if you had 30 million cars and trucks that were you know electric vehicles you would need 10 new full-size nuclear power plants each with two nuclear reactors the size of our last nuclear plant diablo canyon well they can't even they've been shutting down the nuclear plants they've been shutting down the gas plants so we don't have the electricity for it i'll give you another one you know they in order to funnel all this money into solar panels all of which are brought here from China, made by coerced uh, Uyghur Muslim labor in China, subsidized by the Chinese government, made with dirty coal. In order to subsidize all those solar panels, they've cut the budget for maintaining the forests so that you wouldn't have so much woody debris to burn up with these high intensity fires. Well, now the smoke from those fires is reducing the output from the solar panels. So it's sort of catastrophe piled on catastrophe it's basically what happens when civilized people lose touch with what's required to run a civilization and want to return to a kind of fantasy pre-industrial society, but still wanting all the energy, food and civilization that a high energy society requires. Yeah, I, I feel like there's this, you know, you, you mentioned uh... The, the, the new religion, which is Malthusian, I think, in a pretty significant way. Um, and it's scary. I, I think, you know, you look at this idea of, 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 of what we've built here as a civilization. Thing, life has improved quite a bit. Uh, you know, life expectancies, uh, obviously we've had uh, the, the, the pandemic over the past couple of years, but still life expectancies are up incredibly uh, compared to all of human history, we are now avoiding, uh, you know, weather disasters, deaths from climate-related uh, uh, um, uh, tragedies, at a rate we've never before seen. And all of this, this advancement, which I think everyone in their real life realizes is good. They all like getting air conditioning when they go into places. They all don't wouldn't trade that. But when they come, they from their air conditioned homes, behind their you know uh, laptops that have been powered by electricity. There's this temptation to give into this vision of nature that's this, you know, wonderful, this wonderful paradise, this paved paradise to put up a parking lot sort of philosophy is really damaging us if we let it take control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a kind of 
spoiled child quality to the whole thing where, mm. you know, we, you know, a spoiled child feels like, you know, he or she should get whatever they want with no consequences, with no taking of responsibility. That's what's going on here. I mean, you know, the United States in general, but California in particular is a very wealthy state, fifth largest economy in the world. You know, we have so many tech entrepreneurs that we produce these, you know, multi-billion dollar surpluses and you, they can't keep the lights on. You know, they can't produce enough fresh water for their citizens. So some of it, I think, is a hostility to human civilization. Some of it, I think, is just a kind of um, utopianism that is only possible when you have lost touch with the productive sectors of the economy, with what it takes to produce food or electricity. You know, we basically made it too expensive for those industries to operate here. So we import everything, including a third of our electricity. We import our food, but also export a lot from the Central Valley. So, but I think you've seen, which is also something that they've been trying to shut down. So, I mean, I think you see here some sort of beginning of an awakening, though it'll take a while because everyone's, you know, so ideological, they're stuck on their phones. They're really out of touch. And, you know, the governor epitomizes it. I mean, here he demands that we all suffer much higher levels of temperatures by turning down our air conditioners while he was in a very air conditioned room. So air conditioned that he's wearing a fleece coat. <laughs> so it's the kind of tantamount to him going out to luxury restaurants without a mask on in the, in the middle of a pandemic where he ordered people to wear masks. So yeah, it's decadence. It's kind of an old story. I do think though that these things are cyclical and that we are coming to the end of a cycle and there, this has been a wake up call for people I think it's going to take a lot more pain and suffering, unfortunately, for people to really learn the lesson. Yeah, self-awareness is not exactly Gavin Newsom's strong suit, I would say. Uh, <laughs> seems to happen over and over again. I, I want to um, I want to talk to you about one of your recent pieces about the, the end of renewable. The end of the renewables craze is near. And this is interesting because the, I think the first time I ever became aware of you and your work, Michael, was in a documentary you did, which actually aired somehow on CNN. Um, where you were talking about nuclear power as an environmentalist and saying, hey, this is a path, there's a pathway here. We can actually do this without the emissions. It's something that the right and the left can kind of come together on and address the environment while addressing our, our energy independence. And you made a really compelling case, and I know you've made that case many times since. Um, but at the time, it really wasn't embraced, I didn't think, by environmentalists. They shunned the idea of going to nuclear. This is around the time where John McCain was running for president, and he was suggesting we build you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of new nuclear facilities, and he was mocked and ridiculed for that idea. And I do feel like maybe there's a glimmer of hope where the environmentalists uh, on the left are starting to say, you know, maybe nuclear power is something we should consider as, as a big part of the solution. Are you, am, I, am I just being wildly optimistic here? Is that reality? No, I think that you're right. I mean, I was a big advocate of renewables. I had a very apocalyptic view of climate change. This was around 2007. I actually advocated to the Obama campaign that they do a big push on renewables. You know, basically, we ran into all sorts of, you know, real world problems because it takes you know, three to 400 times more land to generate the same amount of electricity from a solar farm as from a natural gas or nuclear plant. And so we were running into all sorts of problems with wildlife conservation concerns. And then we took a second look at nuclear and, you know, now that's almost, what, 14 years ago. And I think that 
attitudes have changed. In fact, there's some polling data in California to show that Democrats have become more pro-nuclear. You know, Republicans had been very pro-nuclear before that. So I do think that's that's started to occur. I think we've had something to do with it. I also think that three years of blackouts in a row had something to do with it. I, you know, I we see that even some some nice words out of the Biden administration for nuclear. But, you know, right now we need a lot more natural gas. You know, the Europe is is Europe is I mean, I think most Americans are don't understand how much trouble Europe is in. We need to be producing a lot more oil and gas for our allies in Europe and Asia. It's really our moral duty. And meanwhile, we're still importing these solar panels, which are literally being made as part of an ongoing genocide against Muslim Uyghur Muslims in China. It's uh, something that we were we said that we were going to ban and then the Biden administration waived the ban. So I think we're going to see some pretty big changes. It's going to take a while, but I think over the next, you know, you know, three years or so, we're going to see a, sh- a greater shift away from renewables and towards natural gas and nuclear, which if you look at what our rivals like China and Russia are doing, they know that they need these these strong, powerful energies like natural gas and nuclear and that you're not going to power a, a strong civilization, a high energy civilization with solar panels and wind turbines. They're just too unreliable and too energy dilute. Mm, it really is amazing. I want to give one little uh, stat here, which I was amazed by from you from your Substack. Uh, the amount of zero carbon electricity California generated declined by 10% over the last decade because of the less hydroelectricity from drought and the 2011 closure of the nuclear plant, which was 9% of the state's total electricity generation. So all this time we've been talking about solar panels, wind power, the California saying they're all out in front of this. Their zero emission energy has actually dropped. That is, that's a jaw-breaking statistic, or jaw-dropping statistic, Michael. I, 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 it's hard to believe that's accurate, it, but, it, but it is. It is, yeah. Uh- Check the numbers twice. They all came from the state of California. And it's easy to understand why. There's two big reasons. The first is the drought meant that there's less water for the hydroelectric dams. But then the other is they closed a nuclear plant in 2011. And then the governor fought to keep it closed, even though some fairly straightforward repairs would have kept it going for another 50, 60 years, if not longer. Hmm. You know, nuclear plants unlike solar panels, you know, can just be refurbished. You know, solar panels last, you know, 15 to 20 years, but these nuclear plants, basically every single component, the turbines, the steam generators, even the reactor vessels can be replaced. So in some sense, nuclear is immortal. It's a technology that as an environmentalist, it's everything you want. It doesn't produce any air or water pollution. There's a tiny amount of waste that is stored on site. It can be in the future turned into fuel for for next generation reactors. So, yeah, California, you know, and the left in general just got itself on the wrong side of this really important issue. They ended up embracing, as you said, this views of Malthus, somebody who said that humans would run out of food. In fact, we have 25 percent food surpluses. And to the extent to which we're having energy and food problems this year, it's because, frankly, environmentalists and climate activists have been repressing the production of natural gas, which you also need to make fertilizers, which are essential to making food. So it's really, um, somebody on Twitter has called it controlled demolition of the institutions that make Western civilization possible. I think that's not an unfair assessment. Mm, Michael Schellenberger, I mean, it would be a big way to solve this problem if you were going to be governor instead of Gavin Newsom. 
Fortunately, that's not happening this time, but maybe in the future we'll see. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for coming back on the program. He's the president of Environmental Progress and author of San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. Go pick up a copy if you haven't already, as well as uh, Apocalypse Never and his uh, Substack as well. Make sure you subscribe to that. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the program. Good to be with you, Stu. Now, I'm not saying this has happened in massive numbers over the past couple of years, but some people have moved out of California to other places, kind of any other place. And if you're one of those people or you're moving anywhere in in the country, uh, you need a a really good real estate agent, um, an agent you can trust. And that's why realestateagentsitrust.com exists. Our own Glenn Beck, of course, started this company many years ago now because of a bad experience he had with a real estate agent. And he was trying to buy and sell homes. And, you know, when you're in radio, you move like every three months. That's pretty much your life. So he's gone through this process a bunch of times and he knows uh, who the who the best real estate agents are. But he doesn't just say like, hey, I think this is a good one. They go through their records. They go through their stats. They really they interview them. There's a whole process behind this to find the best agents in your area. And when real estate real estate agents, I trust dot com uh, puts their stamp of approval on someone, you know, you have the best agent in your area. It's real estate agents. I trust dot com. Go there now. Get the best agent in your area for the biggest financial transaction you may ever have. It's real estate agents. I trust dot com. Real estate agents. I trust dot com. One of the most important things you can do in your life is master time management. Um, and I have done a terrible job during the show. I've been ranting and ranting and ranting. And plus, we have a brand new episode of Stu Eats America coming up in just a few moments. So we don't want to miss that. I do want to uh, encourage you to subscribe to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. You'll save 10 bucks. Um, and it, look, it's 100% worth it. You're going to get tons of great shows. You get the behind-the-scenes radio stuff every single day. You get this show. You get Steven Crowder. You get uh, News and Why It Matters, Chad Prather, all this stuff. Check it out, blazetv.com slash Stu. Grip6, great company, great belts, great wallets, great socks. This is a fantastic company in Utah. They sell uh, in the United States, but all across the world. But they source everything right here. You know, all these companies that say, oh, we just can't do it. We can't do it. Uh, can't, can't source everything in the United States. Too expensive. Can't do it. Grip6 can do it. How can they do it if you can't do it? Grip6 has been able to do I mean, even like wool. They have wool socks, which are great. Even you know, as it's getting colder here, you're going to absolutely love them. But even when it's warmer, they breathe really well. They're fantastic. And it's American wool. Their wallets are awesome. You're going to love them. They're not the old George Costanza wallets. They're not the wallet your great-great-grandfather had that had him kind of like sitting awkwardly on this chair, kind of off uh, askew. Because it was such a, it's 9,000 receipts in his wallet or whatever. Uh, Grip6 has a great line of products. And you're going to love this company because they love the same country you love, America. Grip6.com slash stew. Use the code stew to save 15%. Grip, the number 6.com slash stew. Get 15% off today at Grip6.com slash stew. Ben Shapiro has received an apology and. <laughs> In a honestly stunning development, I did not see this coming. Uh, they, if you remember the story, we talked to you about it a couple of weeks ago. Ben Shapiro showed up at a podcast conference. He is like the number one podcaster in America, right around there. And uh, he showed up at this podcast conference where his company had purchased a table. And somebody got upset on Twitter and said, oh, I feel endangered because there's a conservative nearby. This is anti 
this and trans and no phobic this and phobic that. And the podcast conference uh, came out with an incredible podcast movement is the name of it. Came with an incredible statement basically saying like, we we're so sorry we allowed him in the building. <laughs> it's like, we, we, we continue to feel the harm that that caused, a ridiculous treatment. Well, both Ben Shapiro's company, which is one of the top podcast companies in America, along with um, this is the Daily Wire, of course, along with uh, Cumulus, which is the radio company that syndicates his show, came out and really put pressure on this organization. They now came out and said, um, as we stated, we're continuing to evaluate our policies guiding social media and events uh, with in- inclusivity and diversity and respect for all. We have to start by sincerely apologizing to Mr. Shapiro for our reaction when he visited the booth we sold his company. That wasn't right. Uh, we're still people who, he goes on to say, we, you know, we're just four people that started this. We're still those people with the same idea and recognize there's no work, uh, there's work to do as we grow. So, look, I mean, you know, you it was a terrible way to handle this initially, but the fact that they apologized is a good sign, I suppose. So uh, it seems like Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring over the Daily Wire have given them, uh, uh, they accepted the apology, so let's move on. But still, this is insanity and it needs to stop. Time for a little pre-vacation episode of Stu Eats America. Yes. You might say you always look like you eat America, but I do it particularly on Fridays. And today we have kind of a cereal edition as we get closer to fall. We're 60 days from Election Day. Did I mention uh, Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th? That's just a totally throwing that out there. Um, here we go. Uh, first off, it is that time of year. Yes, it is time for Pumpkin Spice Land. Yes, we are here. Who knew? Pumpkin Spice Cheerios already on shelves. Let's get a little taste here. And see what we're doing. By the way, we rate these on a scale, kind of the old school uh, grading scale. Uh, a plus to F. And we try to get a little, just to get you, you're going you're gonna to eat like crap. We all know that. I, if you watch this show, you have to eat like crap, right? So you might as well eat the best crap that's out there. Here we go. Pumpkin spice Cheerios. Should you be buying these things? Let's try it. I should be clear. I'm, I, I like the pumpkin spice stuff. I like the holidays. I like the uh, the pumpkin pie vibe. I can deal with it. I know it's um, you know supposed to be basic white chicks that like it. That's me. You know, basic white chick. Let me look. Cheerios are never gonna overly excite me. Okay. On the Cheerio st- scale, those are pretty good. Now we'll say I like them. It's a nice fall thing. I'm not going to eat them every day. I'm going to give those a C plus. Decent, not my favorite thing in the world, but, you know, they're Cheerios. You get the Cheerio vibe. There's something about Cheerios that say to you, you're uh, an infant and uh, it's healthy. And that's not what I want out of my, my sugary cereals. However, pumpkin spice adds a little bit. They're fine. They're fine. They're not bad. Now, these are what I'm really excited about. Because as you know, I'm a Reese's. I'm just a fiend for the Reese's stuff. This is Reese's Puffs Cluster Crunch. Now, there's already a bunch of Reese's cereals. I don't know how this is going to taste any different, but it's chocolate and peanut butter, so I'm going to eat it. Um, <laughs> these things fall in there like, like chunks of cake. There, uh, There's a chocolate and peanut butter vibe in there. They're coated in some sugary substance. This is going to be good, I think. Uh, let me give this a whirl. Again, Reese's Puffs. Cluster Crunch, should you be giving these to your kids, meaning you, um, this, uh, this holiday season? 
Hmm. That's a, they, they're odd. They taste odd, I will say. That does not taste like a normal Reese's product. Let me try one more time. Hmm. I gotta say, I'm let down by those things. I gave some Reese's peanut butter cup an A plus uh, a few episodes ago. That one, I mean, I don't even know. I think I'm going to give that a C minus. They're just not that good. And they're not the worst thing I've ever had in my life. But when you're, when you got to bring the Reese's branding to something, you got to bring, you got to bring the heat, you know, and that's just a, it's just a letdown. I would say not a great set of products here, unfortunately. I'm going to have to go now. I'm going to have to go to Taco Bell and buy the 517,000 tacos I talked about earlier today just to make things right inside. You know, I'm all about health. It's all about balance. Balancing the Taco Bell, balancing the Reese's. You got to make sure there's a... We'll see you in uh, about a week. Uh, Love you. And uh, we'll see you then.